teacher turns tech worker in the K-12 Engineering Education Podcast. Today, we hear from Sophia, a former teacher of Austin Independent School District, or AISD, here in Texas. She used to teach all subjects, including STEM, to her elementary and pre-K kids. Why did she leave teaching? I'm Pius Wong. Sophia and I met in Austin to talk just before she was about to start a new position with a tech and software company. Thanks for meeting me here in Austin at a cafe. That's what all this background noise is. But um, So Sophia, you were a teacher. Yes. And you also are a coder. Yes. Right, working in tech. So um, tell me a little bit about your work background. As a teacher? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, well, I taught for about 10 years in the Austin Public School District. Can I say that? <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah. No, you totally, unless you like did something illegal, then you probably shouldn't. No. No. Okay. Yeah, I taught fourth grade, kindergarten, pre-K, and special needs when I was a teacher. Yeah. At various different schools. That's a long time to be teaching, right? Yeah. And you're not teaching now, though. No. You, you changed gears a little bit. A little bit. Because <laughs> I understand you went to General Assembly, uh-huh. which is like a web development school. How would you describe that, what it is, like the program that you're in? Um, I took a web development immersive program. It was a boot camp that lasted three months, and it was like nine to five yeah, it's intensive, I hear. It was very intense. Like, even though it's officially 9 to 5, I heard you all are... We all stayed after because we all, every day stuff? we had homework, so... Yeah. Uh, most everybody stayed after to, to do their homework until, I think, the latest, like, 8 or 9. What were you learning? Like, I know you said web development, so what does that mean? Uh, we mainly learned JavaScript and a little bit of Python, HTML and CSS and... Uh, Okay. A little bit of SQL. I don't know. It was. It's a lot of front end, mostly front end stuff. So how websites end. look and and behave a little yes. bit. Okay. So that's different from teaching. Yes. Yeah. Quite different. Yeah. What made you think about doing that jump after so many years of teaching? Hmm. What made me think about it? Yeah. We'll I start think, there. I think it's because my a lot of my family's in tech is what made me think about tech specifically. Yeah. Uh, my sister's U- a senior UI UX, and my mom is a software developer, and my brother-in-law is a full-stack web de- full developer. Oh, wow. So I saw it a lot. I saw their... I think I envied their... Um, their lifestyle maybe okay yeah i guess they probably get paid more than the average texas teacher uh yeah like twice <laughs> i shouldn't laugh that's thrice. like really sad but but yeah. you're giving me this look like i everyone knows this basically yeah that's something i've definitely been struggling with is the the pay i think it's yeah. super unfair the pay and especially in texas i i think that the public probably just doesn't understand they don't understand exactly what uh, you know a teacher does yeah so i think that's why they don't pay them more you know it's funny because i uh when i when i first 
you know, left teaching, I really wanted to write a book about, about like what teachers really did. Or <laughs> I thought about making a movie even because I just wanted to really portray exactly what teachers do on uh-huh. a date, like a day to day life of a teacher because it's not what people think and it's not what media portrays it either. How, you know, in media yeah. you see kids quietly raising their hands. I see stand and deliver with, <laughs> yes. you know, Escalante and like, <laughs> but it's not like that. It's not like that at all. And it's so frustrating because that's what, that's what you see in media. And that's, and then everyone thinks that they know what a teacher does because they've been in school or if they've, mm-hmm. you know. Or because they've gone through school, they think that right. their experience is what it is right. everywhere. But there's a lot of back, background stuff that we do. Like mm-hmm. a, a lot, I don't think a lot of people know that there's a lot of paperwork that you have to do, and you know the behavior management. Anytime you do anything like behavior management or um, intervention, mm-hmm. you have to write a whole other. You have to document everything. Right, basically. right. You said you taught special needs students for a while too, and I'm sure there's lots of guidelines yes. or, or specifically special needs. Okay, you you need to document everything. Oh. You're, you're recording everything that you do, all the small group, all of the interventions. As a teacher, do you get training for that? We, we get training for it, but I don't think we get enough training for it. We don't get enough time to Trial by to fire? Do, yeah. Like you just do it and you learn as you go? I definitely or? think teaching is trial. Like you, <laughs> I, I don't think that I, I learn. I, most of my teaching, I learn from teaching. told me before that you had experience developing project-based learning lessons too and oh, that's yes. a lot of work that requires documentation too right and yes. thinking and planning how much time does that take like creating lessons all the stuff outside of the class how much mm-hmm. time does that need uh it was a lot of work that one of the biggest project-based lessons or unit lessons that i created was about gardening and the importance of gardening with your students and i made it took a long time because I wanted to present it to the district too because yeah. it was something new at the time. Uh, you know, we were all following the curricul- curriculum roadmaps. So this is years ago before the whole push for PBL yes. everywhere. Yes, right? but um, I created basically a garden school garden to cafeteria table program um, because. I saw that I went to a lot of workshops and I was reading a lot about gardening and about, you know, behavior management as well. And there's if if kids are more out in nature, they're less like you're less likely to have behavior problems and there's a lot of engagement involved in it too because they were more in, they were more excited about doing a project first of all than like, oh, we're going to learn about measuring, you know. <laughs> So they were more excited about like, oh my God, so we're going to make a garden and you know, how big should our garden be? What, what kind of plants do you want to grow? Um, and how should we take care of them? And, and they had to measure when doing exactly. that. Exactly. The so there was a lot of STEM involved okay, in that. Okay. There's a lot of like, measurement. There's a lot of reading involved. Right. A lot of research. And, um, and, and classroom management too, I would imagine, with all these tools lying around. and Right. But... When kids are engaged, like super engaged in something, you, there's actually less management, behavior management that you have to do because everybody's already super engaged and you don't have to do a lot of correction or a lot of redirection. Even for little kids. Yeah, yeah. because 
they want to be a part of this huge project. Mm -hmm. So in a sense, you're like, are you sure you want to do that? Or do you want to be a part of our gardening project? Yeah, yeah. So um, it was really good. I saw, you know, like their STEM scores went up, their reading scores oh, wow. went up, their behavior uh, like was a lot So you actually researched better. this in your own way. Like you saw if these PBL initiatives actually made a difference right. in your kids' And I did education. do like trial and errors yeah, kind yeah, yeah. of stuff. I did like mini PBL lessons. I see, I see. And then I grew, yeah, I yeah, grew yeah. them to be, you know, yeah, more. It wasn't this no. all of a sudden you rolled no, out this no, entire no. thing. <laughs> That's cool. And did you have support in doing this, colleagues, to help you out? You know, and it... That's why I like pre-K so much. I taught pre-K for most of my teaching um, years. That's why I like pre-K so much is because it's a lot of exploration and a lot of, uh, I think there's a lot of leniency on how you teach. Mm, fewer standards? It's not fewer standards, but it's, uh, I think you're allowed to be more creative as a pre-K teacher because most principals and teachers in, are more concerned about the upper grades, you know? So, so they weren't looking at you as closely <laughs> as they were the high school students or something. Right. So I'm allowed, like, they'll allow me to do a project-based learning. And so it's because it's That's like, That's so funny whatever, that you say that. Yeah. Yeah, like, because today they're like, oh, yeah, let's do PBL. But back then there was resistance. There was, there was a lot of resistance still. Because mm. I, I wrote it for modifications for up to second grade. Yeah. But, you know... It, like the old way of teaching is it's like lesson by lesson we're going to learn about addition we're going to learn about oh, yeah, subtraction yeah. we're going to learn about multiplication but it's not like a unit where the kids are involved and there's like hit like you have to learn about the history of things and right. I think that slowly they after a lot of teachers kind of piloted uh -huh. it they they saw the benefits of PBL yeah, yeah. and but again, as I was talking to, uh, I was I was in an interview and they were talking about how. So he used to be a teacher, and he's like, "How did you, you know, convince them to do this?" And it's a lot of data. I had a lot of my teacher friends sure. record, you know, what their scores were beforehand and what their scores were after. Yeah, yeah. And what their behavior was before and what their behavior is after, and this they saw a lot of positive changes. So I think AISD was focused on data, and if and when they saw that data, yeah. then they were able to kind of maybe look into it. And That's pretty common. I think yeah. what I've heard is educational leadership wants to see the numbers right. rise. Right. And it's funny that you can measure that behavioral improvement, too. There are metrics for that? I made up my own, you know, because <laughs> <but laughs> there's yeah. not really... I mean, you right. can probably see, find some in Teachers Pay Teachers. You know, there's a lot of, like, behavior plans that you can put students on. I see, on. I see. Um, you know, one of the things that um, I saw at South by Southwest EDU, which, by the way, you volunteered for, yes. forgot to mention, one of the sessions there was about, one of the themes there was social-emotional learning. Uh -huh. And one of the interesting sessions that I didn't get to see, but it sounded interesting, was ways to measure that. Mm -hmm. So SEL, because I guess that's a yeah. popular thing now, too. That's funny, because... Because I've been teaching for like 10 years and they changed it. It used to start off with SEL, so social emotional learning. Yeah. And then they changed it to, um, I forget the Some other acronym. Uh, or something. It, it, it's, yeah, it was a different, there was like four different ones that they changed it to. I can't remember the name right now. but I'm bothered by all the educational acronyms that I, know, I see on the outside. Many. There's too many. But it's basically the same thing, but like executed a different way or, you know, the things that you say yeah. is different. 
Um, can you talk about what it was like to be at South by EDU? Because I, yeah. I spoke to other people about it, and I'm curious to see what your opinion was since you saw a lot of it as a volunteer on the inside. Yeah, I was... Uh, I, I volunteered for EDU, and I just kind of picked one room. So I was the sound person. I just <laughs> They call it the conference tech volunteer, but I really just pressed the mute button and the unmute button. But it was very interesting because all the speakers, all the keynote speakers and the mm. panelists were were all either in education or involved in education and, and tech. Ed tech, I think is what Ed they call So it. like corporate people as well as educational people. Yes. Right, right. But I think I talked to you about how yeah, I yeah. thought it was weird that I felt like the talks were essential for teachers and even students to be a part of, but I didn't see very many teachers or students. There could have been more teachers there and there weren't. Yes. In, included in the discussion because the yeah. teachers are the ones in the front lines but then I realized that teachers probably can't afford the EDU pass and they probably yeah, can't go to and, and it was not during spring break mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so they'd have to take off work to go to the conference but um, there's a Slido that you can uh, ask questions yeah Slido.com yeah, it, it, it's a way to collect um, so I kind of questions. Uh, while I was doing the sound thing I kind of put in some questions on my Popular, phone okay you asked the speakers quietly I asked the very tough questions like to for the example speakers. what what would be a tough question that you remember asking to someone I constantly push like what are you doing for special needs kids because I worked a lot with special needs kids so I'm always thinking about, well, how are you going to include the special needs, students with special needs, and how are you going to include refugee students? Because I also, when I first, like, second year teaching is when the refugee students started oh. populating at yeah, Austin's yeah, yeah. School, school district. So, and there wasn't a lot of help when, when I started. Uh -huh, uh -huh. So, I'm always concerned with the refugee students and with, you know, minority students and with um, special needs and also with I, I don't know if you know but pre-k you have to qualify to get into pre-k you have to be either homeless or a um, military child or um, you have to qualify for the free and reduced lunch right to right. be to be uh, to be able to attend pre-k in Austin okay I think right now there's like paid for pre-k but back then it was just <laughs> yeah yeah It's interesting because all the PD that I've ever been to is just, I don't think is very helpful. And I think this uh, is like a talk that's like about the future and teachers should be involved in that talk instead of, you know, all the other PD that teachers have to go to. Yeah. Well, it's a, what, what other PD <laughs> did you have to go to? <laughs> uh, that was you know, not the, so good. The, the one thing that comes to mind is I went to a tech PD and it was all about how to use Microsoft Word, <laughs> how oh, to like create no. a box. And I almost like fell out of my, like, I was like, can I leave, please? I'm so like, I don't need to know about how to make a box in Word doc. That's but a good. lot of teachers are very, are not very tech savvy. So oh. I guess it's, 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 it's necessary. It's not very individualized learning for no, teachers. No, no. I think there needs to be a, a lot more talk about the future of, of tech. Yeah. I think especially in public education, there's not enough 
technology that's out there that's being used that could、mm. be used to enhance the learning in the classroom because it's so. Like I was telling you the other day about how teachers only recently can search their emails. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, on top of everything that teachers yeah, have no, to do,、right. I have to like, not be able to search tech- my emails. Nobody did a presentation at South by about like, <laughs> here's the new free email system where you can search yeah, things. Yeah, not like, even like the grading. You were talking about grading. Oh my god, great! On top of everything, there's that that slide, like, that scroll within a scroll within a scroll kind of where you have. Just to put in one grade, I have to move like a thousand scrolls. Classroom, scroll、yeah. down to the student, scroll、yeah. down to like whatever. So if you click accidentally somewhere else, you have to like start all over because yeah, that's frustrating. It's very frustrating. It's not only the t- the technology that's being used to enhance the classroom, but the, but the technology that teachers have to just put in grades or to it could be improved. To use your email, we're using I think Outlook right now, and、yeah. that's still not the best email system、mm-hmm. out there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know. So, I'm realizing as we're talking, like, this could make teaching sound really negative. I know, right? But like, I mean, I spoke to a whole bunch of engineers who left engineering and tech to go、mm-hmm. become teachers. Yeah. And now you're kind of the other way around, and I think it has to be heard. Like, you did, you you left teaching、yeah. to work in tech. And and you are not one of the people who just left in the beginning. You stuck it out for a long time.、Mm-hmm. Do you think you'd ever go back to teaching? Um, I don't know, but probably I think that I definitely still have a passion for teaching. I think I was just, I think as a normal educator, you get burnt out. But I think I, especially if you know my teaching history, I went through a lot more than I think a lot of teachers. So I got burnt out a lot quicker. I feel like, but I I love teaching. I don't think I got burnt out because of. The students, or because of teaching itself, I think it was just the system that I that I didn't want to fight against the system anymore to、okay. to get what the students deserved. You know, right? The combination of all the different、right. roadblocks and the lower pay, right? And and, the,、yeah. and people not respecting teachers. Is that something you really saw? You didn't feel respected as a teacher. I think I especially see it. Trying to go into tech, that、oh, I、yeah. had to change my wording whenever I went to interviews. Instead of saying my students, I said my clients, because the moment I said students or teacher, I could see in their faces that it was that I at, that they just heard you know babysitter. So or, you mean interviews with a tech company? Yes. Like this traditional, not that you interviewed with IBM, but some company like IBM. Right. Right. If they come from a tech background, they were talking to you. They would look down on you for saying students and being a teacher. I, f- I mean, obviously, this is my own opinion, but I felt like it was less respected that they, they that they knew that I was a teacher at all. There is some truth to that. I mean, I keep saying I don't like all the acronyms that are、yeah. in the education world. Maybe there are things that just people in the tech world don't get. I don't think it's just the tech world. I think it's the whole society that、yeah. does not get what teachers do. They need to know what you do, what you did, what you did, and、right. what teachers are still doing. Right. And there's. I, I feel like there needs to. I mean, we could talk for days about all the different things that teachers have to do that、yeah. that pe- people don't know about. But it's it's still it's a lot. It's too, it's almost too much. I like one of my teacher friends. 
was saying the other day, I was like, teaching's almost too much, and we're expected to do so much with such little resources, and and then, you know, not being appreciated, being told we're not doing enough, you know, things like that. That's Right, you know, there. I heard someone who was saying, like, I don't know if it was you, but like saying like <laughs> one person at South by was like uh, talking about this problem of, of oh, getting yes. teachers. And like once person said, well, we just need better quality. We need to hire better quality teachers. Right, right. Not yes. that there's no truth to that, but it was like. That was me. I did say that. You did say that? Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah, I was kind of, kind of uh, pissed off by that because yeah. she was, I don't think she was in the classroom. She's like on the board of an, of a, of a district, of, of a district, not in Austin, but uh-huh. um, she was just saying we need h- higher quality teachers. And there's some and that, truth to that, there right? There is, and I think it's because I got pissed because, yeah, we do need higher quality teachers, but you're running all the higher quality teachers out because mm-hmm. you're not a higher quality teacher will will go above and beyond and will stay after and will use their money to buy materials for the perfect lesson, you know, but. But you're running them out because you're not treating them well. You're not paying them well enough, and you're not, uh, you're not giving them the support. You're not that giving you need. them the support, so yeah. a higher quality person wouldn't stay in that. They would realize, like, like hey, wait a minute, I can totally you can go work in the tech sector. <laughs> I can go or, work in tech and get paid right. a lot more. <laughs> right, that's so sad. <laughs> and not have to, you know, live paycheck to paycheck. You know. Sometimes I hear people putting teachers on a pedestal and educators on a pedestal like oh we love our educators yes and like we should treat them better and then you yeah. have this other side of the conversation where people don't know what teachers do not they don't even care to know it sounds like sometimes i think that i think it's very political that people are are always going to say oh yes teachers need to get paid more yes yeah teachers do so much smaller classrooms right. more it's like yeah. people know that they're supposed to say that uh-huh. <laughs> but Nobody ever does anything about it, you know. Do, yeah, are teachers yeah. getting paid more? No. Like, I know that uh, they cut the education funding in half last year. Like the state of Texas, yeah, uh, is no longer. So it's like there's always talk about it because it's politically correct to say that. Mm-hmm. You know, you see a lot of politicians talk about education. So a they're lot. expecting more of the local communities to pay for funding now. Is that? I I'm assuming, but yeah. I left before they cut the I funding. See. Was there anything positive that you had seen in your 10 years that like was a step in the right direction? Project-based learning sounded like one step. Yes. project. Well, there's a lot of good things going on. I know I'm being really negative. But hey, we got to get it out. Like, I, It's hard, by the way, for me to find people like you who won't just read off a talking point and be yeah. like, hey, this is reality. So I'm curious, what are the... What are some real positive things besides the negative things? Um, well, yeah, project-based learning I totally agree with. Um, but there's also a lot of great teachers out there that are busting their asses off. Yeah, yeah. And um, there's a lot of focus on, like you said, social-emotional learning, especially about after everything that's happening. I think so there's think a lot... you think it's a good... Yes, but I think it all de- definitely can... There's a lot of good intentions. I think there's not enough funding to mm. to to make all of that happen sometimes what would the funding go to like if you if if the state of texas reinstated funding or went above whatever it was before and said we can fund these initiatives where would what would happen what would that look like 
Because I, I can't, I don't even know what that means necessarily. Like, does that mean more teachers, well, there's different more counselors? Fun- it's weird because there's different funding for different things. Like, yeah. we have a lot of funding for like, like iPads or something, but not uh-huh. enough funding for like a, a counselor for our school. Oh wow! So it, 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 all the funding, I don't know all the where all the funding comes from different places. So yeah. I definitely think there needs to be more funding for for counselors. I think that. People think, oh, whatever, it's a counselor. But a lot of these schools that I worked at were low-income schools, and they definitely needed a counselor. They come from such traumatic fam, like traumatic families, and they yeah. come with trauma to the school. So you're dealing with refugees. I'm dealing with refugees. I'm dealing with and you just know, stand, like kids whose parents yeah. are incarcerated. You know, mm-hmm. so there definitely needs to be a more focus on on um, on mental health. Do you think? Some people would argue that that's not the job of schools. Like, yes, you can have more counselors, but a lot of it has to be fixed in the community. That, of course, there needs to be fixed in the community, but I feel like teachers take on the job of a lot of different things. Right, that you're not being paid for. <laughs> yeah, I like see. counselor, mom, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, curriculum therapist, writer, curriculum therapist, yeah. writer, yeah. Huh. We're, the, we're the, I always say we, we're kind of like... Um, we set the stage, we put up the props, but we're also the actors, and we're also the makeup. You know, we, we prepare everything. But, yeah, I, I don't... I think money could go towards a lot of different things, but the number one thing that I can think of right now is definitely mental health. Hmm. I think especially when you, when you address mental health, like how I was saying, if you, if you help students talk through a lot of things, they're, they're more likely to focus on, on academics. A lot of kids can't focus on academics because there's a lot of things going around on in, in their, their home life. Yeah. And so if, if that is being supported, then they're more able to, you know, spend most of their energy on their grades and on learning. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like that makes sense when you say it that way, you know. Yeah. Do you think smaller classroom sizes would help? For sure. I think when uh, one year I had 30 kids, but they were 34-year-olds. <laughs> and it was mostly managing that I was doing. Like, don't run out the door. And <laughs> oh, my gosh. It was mostly managing. You can definitely have quality lessons and quality discussions when there are less students. And you can spend more time with each student. You know? How do you even bring things like STEM to little kids? Now that, now that you're reminding me of that, like, how do you bring STEM to four-year-olds or... Oh, it's easy. Like what I was saying about just about gardening. gardening ha- you can pull in math. You can pull in science through mm-hmm. garden. Like the li- I think the first time I did a garden, we saw the life cycle of obviously the plants, but life cycle of the, the insects that came to visit our garden. Like life cycle of a butterfly, the life cycle of a, a ladybug. You had little like terrariums watching the different changes we, or um we they they grew in our garden but we had little bug catchers that we would bring to our classroom for a little bit just to observe like the different body parts What's a bug catcher like a it's just a container with <laughs> holes in it really i was like is it a kid that you told the kid to catch <laughs> okay yes they're all bug catchers <laughs> but, but no okay but i i get it i mean we did that i remember looking at like a butterfly way back in the day or something yeah okay but you know they saw the different life cycle and we even saw a life cycle of a snail too that was pretty cool oh well yeah. growing their own shell and everything yeah yeah, yeah. Hmm. I think in pre-k it's mostly biology yes and, and um, a lot of it's 
measurement, counting, colors, stuff like that, but just also getting them excited about like using uh, a micros- microscope uh-huh. and using like a di- I had a digital microscope in my classroom where oh, they cool. could see more closely <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. all the things in our garden. Getting so them more comfortable. Getting more comfortable with, with that, even even using a camera. Like I had a little kid who we had different rotations you know like you're the cameraman today you're gonna, yeah, you're gonna yeah. take pictures of everybody and all that and they did really well like just hmm. getting used to technology was something that i did a lot in my classroom we're getting used to using um science tools yeah that makes me think of another question they always talked about gender equity in this south by and just in general in in stem did you notice at those young ages there was a difference in how girls and boys perceived Hmm. Math, science, technology, any of that. In pre-K, not so much. There, I felt every kid like was a kid. Every kid just was interested in in learning. In, in learning, playing, yeah. And, that's I didn't good see to that hear. So much. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Well, actually, in my classroom, you know, you're just an excellent <laughs> teacher. I'm perfect. So yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. You're you're entering this world of tech now with all of this knowledge with you. How do you think teaching can help you go into this tech world? Like, what skills are transferable? As a teacher? Yeah. Um, what knowledge is transferable, too? I think mostly the ability and to, to learn is something that, you know, teachers are always learning different techniques, different skills, and I think the ability to learn is definitely really important. And the ability to communicate, I think in the tech world I saw a lot of people not being able to communicate with each other and I think that as a teacher I had to be able to communicate with all different kinds of people and be able to communicate effectively I think that's part of what they kind of give you practice with at General Assembly though too right like working in groups or paired programming um, you have to be able to communicate and in different ways too speaking over text or email and right through slack or or even in person and like kind of in paired programming, you have to like talk about what your strengths are. Like, okay, what are you good at? And what am I good at? What are you not good at? Yeah. But it, it, it sounds simple, but a lot of people do struggle with What's paired programming? How, how did you... Um... Paired programming is um, when basically someone is, they call it the driver. And so if you're making an app, I'll say, oh, you need to um, pull in this API. And then the other person just has to basically is doing the programming but I'm telling them with colloquial words what they should do what their next steps should be and then that person will code it and then we switch where he or she will tell me um, you know what my next steps are but not in a not like put um, a semicolon (laughs) semicolon on line 23 yeah Yeah, yeah. you're not supposed to say that yeah Yeah. okay so there's a lot of communication going on there's some translation there yes I could see that being useful in the classroom so you use those same skills you were talking all the time before you can translate it to being able to actually explain hard concepts effectively to a four year old to a four year old it's funny because they were saying they showed us a video of like in, especially in programming, you have to be super logical and step by step. So they're saying they showed a video of a, a father telling a kid to keep his eye on the ball, this little four year old kid to keep his eye on the ball. And the kid literally put his eye on the ball. <laughs> so, <Uh-oh. laughs> so you have to be very specific when you're, yeah. when you're coding. Yeah. So I had a lot of practice being very specific because kids will do that. If you say, 
If you say keep your eye on the ball, he'll put his physical so eye on the computer is like a four-year-old, <laughs> and you have to <laughs> kind of, be uh, careful. Okay. With a different language, yeah. <laughs> Where, where do you hope to be in, in a couple of years in terms of your, your work? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I just got an offer at this big tech company. And Which will I remain unnamed. Will be yeah. unnamed, but I... Um, Congratulations. Thank you. I, w- I realize, I guess, that when you're in a position, when you put yourself in a position to help then you're more likely to be able to help. So I'm hoping that in a couple of years, uh, I'll be able to take this into the classroom or, or somehow positively affect the classroom in, in some ways. Bring I don't back. know exactly what yet, but but oh. right now I'm working on being in a position to help first. Awesome. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. So you haven't quite left education? No, my heart's still there, I think. I, I think I'm still going to probably volunteer a lot in my if I have free time alright well thank you Sophia thank you great talking to you teacher and tech professional and I hope I see you at South by next time of course yeah probably will if you're a career changer like Sophia, jumping between education and engineering or technology, I'd be very interested to hear why you changed careers and how it's been going Send a message to me or to the show. Details are at our website, k12engineering.net. If you liked this episode, help us out by leaving a rating and a review of the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Radio Public, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or wherever you are listening to us now. Tweet the show, follow us on Facebook, and look out once again for our proposals to upcoming conferences, including South by Southwest. More on that in future episodes. Episode transcripts will be on the website as I get time, thanks to an amazing set of supporters on Patreon. If you like what I'm doing, making the show, talking about engineering education issues freely and openly, please let me know by donating on Patreon too. You can go to patreon.com slash Labs to donate, or you can find links to Patreon from the podcast website. Our closing music is from the song Yes And by Steve Combs, used under a Creative Commons attribution license. The K-12 Engineering Education Podcast is a production of my independent studio, Pios Labs, in Austin, Texas, where I work on several digital projects like this show. Thank you for listening, and please check it out again soon. Mm-hmm.